Welcome to the session. There was once an individual who said, there's peer pressure, but there's also peer priority. Gee, where have I heard that before? (laughs) Where faith and life connect. I think I just heard a whole bunch of people yell amen. (laughs) Yeah, hallelujah, I hope so. A time to explore issues facing the family today. Marriage is about what can I look at inside of me and take care of in me to offer to my spouse a better me. And where it's okay to laugh a little. It is so good to hear you say that, to hear someone else preach that message. It is. Well, again, for years, I've heard you preach it. (laughs) It's finally soaking in. (laughs) Yes, the celebration of success. (laughs) Welcome to the session on Rise FM. It is time for Faith and Life to Connect here on Rise FM and on the podcast network at risefmohio.com. I am Scott here with Tom from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries, and this little time together is called The Session. Today, we're going to talk about helping our teenagers have a sense of purpose, and and we're going to do something a little different with this today. We're going to start with a uh, secular study, and then we're going to put God's Word to it. We're kind of hoping to to be able to shed some light right. on some things as we do that today. So uh, before we dive into this study, Tom, let's dive into God's Word. Well, yeah, and let's go from Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13, Scott. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will see me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Mm. And and it's interesting, too, you know, some people, some critics could say, well, Tom, he was talking to the Israelites. He wasn't talking to us. I don't know. I, I think you and I might agree that that, I, that may be too narrow an interpretation. That's true. So only the Israelites had God's plan or in mind. He was only talking to them. I think not contradicts the New Testament. Oh, absolutely. That he has a plan for all of us. I think it's those who are, are critical of that may be in denial, Scott. Well, we don't know if they were Egyptians or not. <laughs> okay, that's the first one. It's out of the way. <laughs> all right, right, so we're going to dive into a study from the University of Illinois. But first, Tom, let's do a definition of what purpose is as we kind of zoom in on helping our teenagers find a purpose. Well, Scott, the definition of purpose, we're going to say, is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. So the research we're going to start with is from Kaylin Ratner at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. And what she did was she studied a group of teenagers, 14 to 19, what she found, and I'll, I'll let you describe your reaction to the article, because I, I, I found this and sent it to Tom and said, what do you think? The article, basically, the, the Scotty's summary is, those who have a tendency to have a purpose in life tend to be more satisfied with their lives and experience more positive emotions and fewer negative emotions. Okay, so the first time you read this article and you went, duh, is what I... <laughs> Yeah, I said, duh. Duh, okay. Yeah. All right, here are some of the other key things that came out of there. These teenagers who scored high on having a purpose were more satisfied with their lives and experienced more positive emotions and fewer negative emotions. Again, we say, Uh, duh. duh. (laughs) When teens felt more purposeful than usual, they also tended to experience greater well-being. 
again. Then, duh. duh. <laughs> We're going to get to this a little bit deeper later on, but okay. the study appeared to show that teens with autistic traits tended to report higher levels of negative feelings and lower levels of life satisfaction and positive feelings on a day-to-day basis. Now, without going into too deep a rabbit hole, yeah. why? Well, and, and so let's do a shorter rabbit hole, Scott. Okay, shorter hole. I think because the negative feelings have a greater impact and the special needs children may not be able to process those or put them in perspective the way someone who would, was not in that camp of special needs. They have a little bit better process ability to work through that. We'll talk about my granddaughter later because I want to make sure we get into the other parts of this. That is the world's view as we share that with you. That is the world's view of this. Right. To which Tom and I both just say, duh. duh. In unison. So here's here's this this idea, this article in God's point of view. First of all, it is important that we find God's purpose. For our lives, Yeah. And so let's look at what Paul said in Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he's going to expect us to do good works, but he's not going to tell us what they are. Or give us the tools to do it. Exactly. Yeah. It's God's plan that we have a purpose. That's right. It was very clear, Scott, that, and I tested it for a number of years that I was not given the tools to be a carpenter. I have one of those detail challenge minds where, you know, I could make a lot of kindling real quick. <laughs> <laughs> My dad found out very, very quickly that I do not have the tools to be an auto mechanic. Yeah, me either. Lord knows he tried. Oh, really? Oh, he tried. Saturday and Sunday afternoon, Scott, come on out here. I need you to hold the flashlight. Uh-huh. Mike can hear my friends playing. Oh, yeah. Oh. I hear it, and then my best friend comes by. Scott, we're going to blah, 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 blah. Come on. Yeah. And I looked at my dad, and he took the flashlights. Get out of here. <laughs> uh huh. So yeah, that's so we have we are given tools by God. That's and that right. may not be a hammer and a chisel, right? You know, they may be a microphone. They might be a right. desk. Early on, the one I recognized the most that really began to show me what I was about and how I was wired was an incredible heart for marriage. Now, my wife was really happy about that. Yeah, she was very <laughs> grateful for the idea. <laughs> All right, second thing, Tom, a vision or a calling. Yeah. All right, now, we, you and I have worded this a couple of different ways, and I'm going to give you mine, and we'll see if this fits what you were okay. wanting to say. To, to, this idea of vision and calling, is it important to ask why I'm here? Is that an important question to ask? Yeah. What? Why did God create us? What was his purpose in it? Well, ultimately, I think... He wants us to love him. He wanted more people that would glorify him, which, hey, it's his game or, or his, his world, his creation. He's allowed to make those calls. Given the alternative, that's really a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that, that really the problem when it comes down to it is that especially our world today is a me, 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 my this, my that. There's no recognition that there is a holy God that created them in his image and has a plan for his life. That doesn't exist so much today. God and his word have been replaced by human rights. I have a right to do whatever I want, which means what if I decided it was my right to drive down the wrong side of the road? That's my right? 
Well, there's a law there. But well, you've been given the tools to do it. You know how to drive. But what makes that law any different than God's law? Because God's laws are the things that our other laws were based off of. If you, if you want to go back and look at the founding fathers, you know, they based a lot of things on, on the word of God. They sure did, because that was the, the standard that they had in front of them at the time. And it's just so sad that it, that human rights have become God, and our God has been basically uh, back uh, burner kind of thought, an right. afterthought. Or just totally ignored. Yeah. All right, so let's go to this question, Tom. In Scripture, can we discover why God created me and what purpose he gave me? When I think about this, it really touches my heart. If we were to use it as an example, Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. The scriptures say, oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, your breathtaking body and soul. I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something, like an open book. You watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I even lived one day. So if that's the case, if he's that detailed in our conception, and we're basically talking about two cells coming together to start with. Right. And he loved us enough to to put all those details together. He's not going to give us a purpose. Oh, since you were created anyway, I guess I'll help you through the process. No, he knew that. He knows the end from the beginning. And so consequently... All those pieces are put together. And right now, everyone that works at a pregnancy care center within the sound of our voice is yelling amen. Yes. <laughs> the, yes. Praise because the Lord. Because it is a conception through birth thing. It's not a blob of tissue and then you figure it out because you came from a primordial ooze somewhere. <laughs> so if you need some, some reminder of just how important you are to God, go look at Psalm 139, 13 to 16. For sure. First thing. As we turn to page two, come to Jesus. Again, when we begin to look at the comparison between what secular psychology and research would be and what how Scripture and, and our God is put together, it is so much more encouraging. There's so much more of hope and vision as we begin to look at come to Jesus. Well, if we were to come to Jesus, our highest purpose and calling have nothing to do with our job, education, or marital status. Your highest calling is simply Jesus. He calls us to himself. How powerful is that? And the sad part is, when you look at all these highfalutin people with their PhDs, and I'm not demeaning people with PhDs. Don't start sending me emails. Yeah. All these high education degrees, and they come out and say things, they write articles, and then you and I read them and go, Duh. Uh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> like this is some great discovery that, that, gee, if I'm doing something good, I'm going to feel good. Well, you know what? How many times have we talked about there's a direct link between what we think and what we feel? They're kind of 
like a, a potholder woven together. You have the thought and the feelings come with it. So if you're thinking that way, you know, you might feel better. But if, if you're not where you're supposed to be, those thoughts are going to have feelings that aren't good. But again, it's man trying to conjure up, trying to work up. I got to be feeling okay. Well, I'm going to feel okay if I do X, Y, and Z, and then I do this, this, and this, and then I'm going to feel all right. When in fact, right where what we just read is your highest calling is Jesus period. He draws us to himself. How powerful is that? Amen. Yeah. All right. The second thing, be faithful. Paul's life demonstrates this step perfectly. He spent 10 years in his hometown waiting for God to reveal the next steps for his life. I was really surprised when I read that. You know, to read scripture when he had his Damascus Road meeting, with Jesus. Well, that's that's your ultimate come to Jesus meeting right there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, without question. If I'm understanding it right, then he had a period of time after that before he, God told him his next step. Am I understanding that right? I, I think that's probably right. I, it's not laid out for us, you know, that for well, this time he did this and then he did that. It's just he, he had the experience. He went. He was healed. Of, you know, the scales fell off his eyes. And then, then we know he's going to Jerusalem, but we also know that a time has passed. Yeah. he Because he had to be taught. His mind, you talk about the renewing of your mind. Yeah. I mean, his mind had to be totally renewed from that of a Pharisee to being so anti-Jesus that he was killing Christians to all of a sudden being a, a preacher of the gospel. I mean, his yeah. mind, you talk about renewal of the mind, and For well, sure. God can't renew my mind. Well, just go look at what God did with Paul. Yes, he can. He went from the law to grace. He went from the law to mercy. And so what a big change. Those who are really wrapped up in the law are really concerned about, brother, why do you not have a suit on in our church? Or you know the speed limit is 35, and you were going 38. Boy, that, I think Grace Hat was written there for me because <laughs> I came and started paying attention until about 43 or 45. <laughs> All, right, All right, number three in here. Enjoy fellowship. This is the writer of Hebrews. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we're to enjoy fellowship. And what where I think it seriously misses here is that one of the ways that our God helps us and speaks to us is through his people. If you're not meeting with his people, it's kind of hard to hear it. Amen. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. There, there may have been a Lone Ranger on TV, but I don't think we're meant to be lone Christians. We weren't designed for that. God wanted us to be re- relational because he wants relationship with us. Oh, and by the way, the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Yeah. So you don't need to be lone Christian. You, mm-hmm. you'll, there's a Tonto for you, too. Now, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's a brother in the gospel. But you, you should at least have a Tonto. Right, and our God knew that I was going to need help. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, he gave me the most beautiful help I could have ever asked for. Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah. So we to all of these things toward our purpose is is to be finding Christ, to be faithful in that and to be seeking God as we're faithful in him and then enjoy the fellowship of being with each other, hang out together, talk to each other. Right. You know, I know the Christian music artist Rachel Lampa. Mm-hmm. She had hits when she was in her teenage years around 2000 2001. She was in high school. Mm-hmm. She got partway through high school and walked away from music, said, I need an education. i got to go back to school. Mm. It burned her out. Uh-huh. Wow. And she went to school. She got her education. She started a family. And it was a Bible study with a friend just a couple of years ago, if I uh, want to stretch that back, probably. I don't have uh-huh. the exact dates on it, that led her to decide it was time to get back in music, that God may be leading her back into music. Rachel Lampa has now got a hit on the on the radio again today. She's going to be with us at Rock the Lake in August. She's got quite a testimony to share. I have a hunch. Why well, I want to hear that, you know? And I'm looking forward to hearing that. And I'd love to be able to sit down with her again. I had the joy of interviewing her a couple of times as a teenager. Mm. When she was just mm-hmm. getting out, and you know, she was a joy to talk to. Always had her mom with her. Mm. So there was that that Tonto kind of that Lone Ranger Tonto kind of thing going on where she had a helper. You know, it was it was a joy to watch her grow and watch her develop as an artist and a performer. And I'm curious to see what that looks like now, you know, 20 odd years down the line. So let's jump into some questions here, Tom, that we might want to think about. We can make this very cut and dried and, okay, you need to do one, two, three. There you go. You're done. You have your purpose. Right. Okay. When it comes to teenagers, we all know that ain't that easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. If, if you have a teenager in the house, well, you know that's not easy. Nothing is that easy. So right. here we go. What age do teens typically begin developing this sense of purpose? Where When should we start seeing that, do you think? Well, you know, yeah, I, I don't think necessarily that if they were even mid-elementary, third, fourth grade, that you, you would see it. Now, some may have some idea of purpose there. And so there's a lot of factors that are involved there. But more so as they become more into their teen years of 13 through 19, one theory would suggest that that's where their development, identity development takes place. So they're going to have a a better idea there. I think birth order plays a role in it. Really? I really do, because the oldest child likely is going to be closer to one of the parents, and that may become a role model, which could speak into their purpose and in some cases, it's healthy. In other cases, if there's a, a problem with the parents, then, then maybe the oldest child is more like a parent to the younger ones, which can impact their purpose. Everybody down the line. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, is there an age they get to where if you don't see a purpose, you know, you don't see them recognizing a purpose that you should be concerned and that's before they're 35 and still living in your basement? <laughs> yeah, that's a problem, if, if that's the case. We don't want to enable that individual to be into their adult life and still hold up in the basement playing video games. Let's take, as an example, for discussion's sake, uh, let's talk freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. So like freshman year on high school. That they ought to be able to, and what and what I try to encourage at Heritage is that they have a list of things that they believe occupationally or career-wise are things that they're interested in. 
But that's only after there's a foundation of knowing Jesus and knowing that our God wants us to serve him and that in, in believing that our God has called them to a purpose. Let me follow that direction with their helping them find their purpose in Jesus. Yeah. All right. We're dealing with now junior high, high school age kids. How do we encourage that spiritual searching without pushing so hard that we push them the other way? Great question. I, I've always believed that with young people that we want to put them in circumstances in an environment where they're going to be able to see that. If we talk about it, and there was once someone said, peer priority? Oh, my. I've heard this. Who said that? <laughs> you know, let's see. Most people call it peer pressure. You prefer to call it peer priority. There we go. Yeah. And so do they see what, what are their peers doing? Well, if their peers are really okay with hanging out, playing video games, then they may not be as motivated. But we put them in, in situations where they are doing something that helps them think, do I really like this? Or I really didn't like this? All right. That leads to my next question. All right. That's right. How involved should a parent be in the friends that their children are choosing? Wow. You know, that's... I know. That's a whole other show all in itself. <laughs> so here's maybe the Reader's Digest version that we can do. I think by the time they are beginning to make those choices, on some level, in some arguments, might say it might be too late by that point. But here's a, here's a couple of thoughts there. We want to begin to teach values. We want to begin to teach what their beliefs are and to understand long before then. As an example, they have a firm foundation in understanding that drugs are wrong. And we know where they are. Now, either... They're feeding mom and dad a line of hokey, I got you buffaloed. <laughs> <laughs> or they really are genuine. So if we know that, then we trust that they're not going to hang with people who might be doing that. There's that team culture where their peers are a priority. You know, fentanyl. How many teens out there are not with us anymore because their friends were doing fentanyl and it is deadly. And why? Yeah. And again, that's a whole nother show. Yeah. All right. One last question, because all of all of these questions to me are leading back to one. When should we start jumping into their world instead of dragging them, kicking and screaming into ours to try and develop a relationship with them? Well, you know, that theme of jumping into their world should start very young when they're old enough, basically, to understand it. But later on, the idea there, too, is if we're not okay with where they're, the direction they're headed, you know, they're headed into their senior year, and they have no clue about what they're going to do post-high school. Now, there might need to be some intervention to understand why isn't there, and, and what do they want to see happen. Things like, at the very least, a high school graduate should be working. Is that an expectation that's out there? I they're going to send you the emails. You might. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it's unreal to expect a high school graduate to earn a paycheck. Yeah, exactly. So if there's no discussion like that, then what what's the future going to be beyond that? They're going to begin to get real comfortable not working. I've still 
struggle to connect the dots with why we have such an incredible need for workers and what's happened to our workforce. Are there fewer people? I find that hard to believe. So what has them consumed right now? What's going on? It's almost like we've never recovered from the pandemic. Now, Tom, time is out for us. Mm -hmm. So let's just say this. If, you know, you've listened through this tonight and you're thinking, wow, my kid's already 16. We never had these conversations. I need some help. Right. Then sitting down with a Christian counselor to maybe help provide you some direction as a parent could be a good idea. How can they start a conversation with Tom Russell at Heritage? I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. Thank you for joining us for this session. You can listen to previous episodes on the podcast network at risefmohio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more about Tom Russell at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. 